Are you stressed out? Feel exhausted? Having trouble sleeping? New Roots Herbal offers natural supplements to help take the edge off, relax, and sleep better. Discover de-stress, chill pills, and sleep aid from New Roots Herbal. Natural ingredients and guaranteed purity for a better day and a restful night. Find these and other New Roots Herbal products exclusively at quality health food stores. For more information, visit newrootsherbal.com. To ensure these products are right for you, always read and follow the label. You're listening to an interview taken from the Tonic Talk Show and Podcast. Naturopathic Dr. Philip Rashadis graduated from the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine in 2004, preceded by an honors undergraduate degree and master's of science degree, both in nutritional sciences from the University of Guelph. He practices at the Bolton Naturopathic Clinic in Bolton, Ontario, with his wife, Dr. Heidi Fritz. His areas of clinical focus include mental health, autoimmune disease, and metabolic syndrome. He also serves as an associate professor at the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine, responsible for the delivery of second-year curriculum in clinical nutrition. Welcome back to the show, sir. How are you? Thank you, Jamie. It's a pleasure to be here. Always a treat. Yeah, you're doing fine. I'm doing fine. But there may be people out there who aren't doing so fine, like after a considerable amount of time socially isolating and just dealing with the nonsense that we're all forced to deal with, that can be stressful. And, and that manifests itself so many different ways, yes? Absolutely, very much so. I mean, what else can we say? Let's dive in. There's a lot to talk about. Yeah. So what's going on? Is it just that they're stressed out? Is there something physiological that's happening to them? Look, there's a term I want to bring in here. Um, it's a controversial one. Mainstream physicians will discredit this term I'm about to use. Integrative healthcare providers would argue it is very, very real. We see it reproducibly, and there are things we can do to help. And the term is adrenal fatigue. So we use this to describe a state where someone's just been really stressed out for a really long time. Right. We have coping mechanisms, but when those coping mechanisms are overburdened, they've been under a lot of strain for a long time, eventually they stop working. And we end up in this state that we've termed adrenal fatigue. Now, it's really easy to Google the term adrenal fatigue and convince ourselves that we all have it. And before we go down that road, especially given that my focus in clinical practice is mental health, there is a large amount of overlap between this concept of adrenal fatigue versus true clinical depression. Right. And we got to be careful to not label one as the other. Okay. So they can share a lot of commonality between them. So adrenal fatigue, is this tied to the, the fight or flight sort of mechanism that we have, our sympathetic and parasympathetic systems in our, in our body? You're absolutely right, Jamie. When we experience stress, step one, the primary effector, there's this whole series of processes initiated in the brain, release of hormone into circulation, which goes to what we call our adrenal glands. We have two of them. They sit on top of each of our kidneys. And the stress response triggers the adrenal gland. Its primary effector is cortisol. So we hear a lot about cortisol. So if I put you in a stressful situation, an appropriate response is that your adrenal gland responds by secreting cortisol. Well, if that stress is chronic, long-term, and fairly intense, and it's about perception, mm -hmm. it's about perception. One person might be under what you consider unmanageable stress, but they're coping with it quite well. The other person you may look at and say, that, that doesn't seem like an overly burdensome situation, yet their perception of it is immense. So... Under prolonged chronic stress, and prior to the chaos of recent times, 
right? Just think about what most people's life was like. Right. Hey, I've got a career. I've got kids. I've got a house to take care of. I have a partner that requires some attention. And there's only X hours in a day. And we work, we work, we work, we run around, and the kids have the extracurriculars. Well, try to manage, try to juggle all those balls in the air for a few years. Where do we end up? Let's talk about more recent happenings. We're all really stressed. We're scared. We have uncertain future, right? Mm -hmm. So, but again, really key is to differentiate this state from true depression. I consider adrenal fatigue, the key symptom to me is like a really debilitating fatigue. Like you're drained. People will often say there's this time of day, like I hit 2 p.m. and it's like I hit a wall. I can't keep my eyes open. If you leave me alone on the weekend, I'll sleep 18 hours a day. Well, that, again, has huge overlap with depression. Are you in this state of adrenal fatigue? You're burnt out? Or are you depressed and unmotivated and don't want to get out of bed because you don't see the purpose? How can you tell the difference? How do you know if it's one or the other? Look, it's really hard. And what our approach is clinically, and again, my bias is I principally work with patients in the world of mental health. Yep. Step one is I say, let's address mental health. Okay. Let's address mental health. And I've been at this long enough where when I see these signs of also adrenal fatigue, I tell them, look, we're, we're pretty confident we can help your mood, we can help your anxiety. But I think 8, 10, 12 weeks from now, you're going to be telling me how much better you feel and how you're not anxious anymore, but you still have this very debilitating fatigue. Okay. So my bias is I'm seeing it in people that both have mental health issues and this situation, yet you can have the stressful situation in the absence of mental health issues. So people come in describing this really significant fatigue and burnout and a lot of stress happening in their life. Then I say, okay, 10 is fantastic, zero is horrible. What would you say your mood is? And they're like, well, an eight or a nine. Do you suffer anxiety? No. So when you've got this sort of fatigue, this is this stress has gotten to you situation that that I'm trying to describe. Okay. So what are first steps? Let's assume I were to come to you and you say, Jamie, you know, I think you've got adrenal fatigue. What should we be addressing first in that instance? Look, there's certain simple diet and lifestyle strategies, lifestyle that we should really be considering. Number one, I know you love to discuss it, Jamie, from previous interviews, is sleep. Yep. Can't stress it enough. And so much of our society is truly sleep derived. I think if people could see the data that summarizes what happens if you even miss an hour or two of sleep a night, right? You only get five instead of seven or eight hours. Yep. The actual measurable impact of that one night of less sleep would horrify people. We need to get our sleep. And if people are having issues getting to sleep, one of my favorite natural health products in the world is melatonin. Mm-hmm. It's cost pennies. It's super safe. It has what we would call side benefits. Like it is high dose melatonin is, I would say, the number one thing recommended by my colleagues for people with advanced cancer. It has amazing data for if you're in a state of advanced cancer, achieving some really important outcomes. Right. So it's got side benefits. It's super safe. And low-dose melatonin is usually a very effective sleep aid. Are you concerned at all with people taking melatonin over a long period of time? Like, do you recommend this if it's just sort of like a short-term, I need to get to sleep? Or would you say it's safe to take melatonin over an extended period? It's a very common question we get, and I have absolutely no concern with long-term use of melatonin. Okay. Furthermore, it's really safe. Like, there really aren't drug interactions we have to worry about. It's a super safe substance. 
a lot of studies have looked at this long term. A lot of the safety data comes from studies that look at this for patients with advanced cancer. And they're giving very high doses of this for life. Okay. That's it. End of discussion, right? And so, no, I, I don't have concern about taking melatonin. Now, a lot of patients don't need to. Right. For a okay. lot of people, it resets sleep-wake cycle. Yes. So they'll finally take it every day for two or three weeks. Then on purpose or by accident, they forget to take it and they sleep great. And for most people, that's what melatonin will do. Well, I'd understood that if you take melatonin over an extended period of time, what happens is the body ceases to produce it itself. And that could be an issue in the long run. I would argue that that's a myth, okay. a highly perpetuated myth. And there's actual data to show that that does not occur. Okay. Right. So I, I get that a lot. I hear you. But I would say that's pretty clearly been shown not to occur. Other than melatonin, are there, are there any other natural products that can help us? Yeah, before we get to products, just even a little bit more about lifestyle. One of sure. the most powerful things for normalizing cortisol is meditation. Yep. I think people really underestimate, again, how much awesome science we have on meditation. And specifically in this area is where I love to bring it up. We're talking about cortisol. In a really high stress state, usually we'll find cortisol elevated. You start meditating 10 minutes. And by what we mean by meditation, there's 100 different types it's actually the physical outcome achieved by deep breathing, diaphragmatic breathing. Right. So of all the different types of meditation out there, as long as that outcome of like slowed respiration rate, average adult is taking about 16 breaths per minute by taking really deep breaths, holding, fully exhaling, slowing respiration down to four or five breaths per minute. That's the outcome we're after when we talk about meditation and really, really powerful direct effects on cortisol. Very, very positive. And if you've never meditated before, you can just go online. There's apps that are available that can sort of, if you're, if you're looking for somebody to guide you through a meditation, even in isolation, you can do it. 100%. And of course, exercise. Yep. Exercise is very good for stress response. We see this. It lowers circulating markers of inflammation. It improves cortisol levels. Nothing too crazy. Again, we're after just some movement. 20, 30 minutes of moderate intensity walking is a big game changer. I find with exercise, it keeps my mind off of my worries. I focus on what I'm doing in the moment. If I'm doing a hit class or going for a walk with my dog, it doesn't matter. I can sort of clear my mind. When I get that activity, on the days where I am exercising more vigorously, I actually sleep better, which was, goes back to your earlier point. So it all, to my mind, it's all interconnected. 100%. Sleep, meditation, exercise, really good strategies, I would say, regardless of the topic we're talking about. Yeah. But on the topic of stress, penultimate, very important. Okay. So for some of us, you know, some of us have busier, more stressful lives just because, you know, like it isn't a function of what's going on now. Some people have easier things to do. Maybe they're artists. Other people are working in emergency rooms or dealing with life and death situations or, you know, are commercial litigators and they're just stressed out. So what do you recommend to people that really can't change, you know, their work-life balance? Right. Beyond the lifestyle factors we talked about. And again, it's about perception. Yeah. Uh, what we perceive high-stress litigator, oh, well, how can they do that? They might not be very affected by it. But the individual that we think is generally an easy path might be really, really hit hard by it. But nonetheless, there are a handful of natural health products that we turn to here for some additional support. Mm -hmm. And now we get a lot of people be familiar with the term an adaptogen. Yes. It's a really unique concept. It's typically an herb that we're talking about. Step one, if I may backtrack, is simply a B complex. Okay. We've all heard of a B complex, B vitamins. Studies show, okay, it's not life changing. You're not like 
curing cancer with a B complex, but you give it to people, they report, hey, I feel I have better energy. I feel I'm in a better state of well-being. I feel my mood is better. Simple outcomes, and we want to take advantage of that. And there's physiological basis there too. B vitamins are really important, energy reactions, etc. So we start with a B complex vitamin. The next place we turn is what we call the adaptogenic herbs. Some of my favorites are things like what my big-time favorite is one called ashwagandha. Mm-hmm. But you also have things like rhodiola, astragalus, holy basil. When I first learned about these as a student at the College of Naturopathic Medicine, I was perplexed. It didn't make sense to me what was being described. And I went in depth and, and went down what we call the rabbit hole, trying to understand what these things do. Remarkably, and this is what's so remarkable, and I can understand conventional medicine going, come on, really? But then you have the human data to show that it actually does it. If I get you and you're in a state of heightened stress and cortisol is really high, and I start giving you ashwagandha, rhodiola, these herbs we talked about, we will lower your cortisol into a more normal range. At the same time, if I get you in a state where your cortisol was really high for a long time, but now you've hit this burnout stage, the stage that we're calling adrenal fatigue, when you reach that stage, even though you're still under the stress, if I measure your cortisol, it's really low. You've lost the ability to mount an appropriate stress response. Well, in that state, if I give you the same substance, ashwagandha, your cortisol levels will start to go up. So it's just a regulator then, right? Exactly, right? And that's hard for people. How can it lower it in one person and raise it in the other? That's what it does. Okay. And, And this is preventative, yes? Or would you recommend these herbs in one of these states? That's the thing. If you're in the either or, if you're really feeling under this immense stress, hey, first of all, do a little screen, talk to a healthcare provider. Let's make sure this isn't clinical depression. Right. There's a big difference. So the clinical depression isn't there and and you're feeling fatigued or just really burnt out or just super stressed. That's when we turn to these adaptogenic herbs. Are there any contraindications with any of these herbs that we should be concerned about? There are. And we should be consulting with a healthcare provider. Often the general rule is a lot of these herbs don't play well with medications. Right. So we quite openly talked about, hey, melatonin is really, really safe. That's not necessarily the case in combination with medications for some of these herbs. And lastly, I really hope to get to it, the medicinal mushrooms don't get enough love. There's six or seven really key medicinal mushrooms. A lot of them have their claim to fame in advanced cancer. One of them specifically is the cordyceps mushroom. Hmm. And the cordyceps mushroom is ideal for this state of adrenal fatigue that we're describing. Heralded for millennia for stamina and vitality and rigor and modern science shows us it actually achieves these outcomes. Like you feel you have more energy, it improves endurance, etc. Is this so, like is this like chaga or is this or is this something else? It's a different mushroom. Okay. Chaga would be one of the about seven medicinal mushrooms of interest. Right. Hey, maybe in the future if you'll have us, we'll do a show on the medicinal mushrooms. Yep. Different mushrooms do different things. And the one that we really keen in on in, the, in terms of adrenal fatigue is the cordyceps mushroom. So how do people get it? This is a, in supplement form? That is typically in supplement form. Some of the others, like chaga, like reishi, which are also very important mushrooms, are available like to make teas out of, yes. which is a very legitimate strategy as well. I would say if you're going to get it in pill form, it has to be hot water or steam extracted. Okay. The mushrooms have hundreds of human studies, and pretty much all of them use hot water or steam extraction. That'd be one thing I look for. Okay. And is this preventative, or is this you should be taking it after you're in these states? Both. If you feel you're chronically under a lot of stress, a lot most herbs are not intended for long-term use. 
Okay. All the ones we just rhymed off, these adaptogens, yep. are. They are. Like, they are safe and appropriate for long-term use for the purposes we're describing. They're tonic. They're adaptogenic. And that's the way that astragalus, all of these things, that's the way they were intended to be used. I, I like that you refer to them as tonic. That's apropos, and it's an apropos huh. way to end off the interview. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, Jamie. Always a treat.